0: Welcome to This weekend Marvel, episode number 354. I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M.
1: And I'm Jamie, a.k.a. Agent Mrs. X, Johnny Storm.
0: Yes. Uh, So, big top of the list. Is that a a phrase, top of the list? Yeah. Top of the pops. The big news this week (laughs) is Fantastic Four number one has arrived.
1: Oh, it's here. Yes.
0: This episode, we're going to have editors Tom Brevoort and Alana Smith join us to celebrate the launch. We'll get into that in a little bit. But first up, a couple things that we are hyped about this week comma including news oh right comma goes there yeah uh first up we help stern pinball announce our upcoming Deadpool pinball machine it's got Dazzler and sauron in the machine so you know it is fantastic. I actually uh, got to see this a bunch of months ago when I visited the Stern Pinball Factory. Uh, So behind the scenes, saw them building like Iron Maiden pinball machines. I got to play the Guardians of the Galaxy pinball machine.
1: Nice. Yeah,
0: it was so cool. But we've got full details on the machine and a video showing it off on Marvel.com. As well as in Earth's Mightiest Show, you can see some of that behind the scenes stuff of like this new Deadpool machine in the works. It was really weird seeing it Mm -hmm. because... I, I like walk into this room and there's a couple people and they've got like Marvel stuff all over and uh, but they've got the guts of the machine and like bits Ew. and pieces of of, <laughs> of the technology like hanging out and it was it was it was really weird to see that stuff in in process. I'm so used to seeing comics in process or being yeah. on the set of a movie or a TV show or you know. The video game going behind the scenes there. I've never actually seen the production side of pinball and that was really neat.
1: I would play a pinball machine that was made of guts.
0: I, that's, no? have you ever seen the movie Existenz? I've They're, heard of it. I remember it. Like, I think?
1: Vague, yeah, I, I remember it vaguely. It's
0: disgusting. Yeah. I love it. It's I think they have weapons made of like organic parts and like the gut is so gross.
1: You can't fire a gun that's made of guts. Oh yeah.
0: It's gross. Check it out. Uh, what
1: a mess. So I was
0: talking about seeing games in production. Speaking of games in production, Marvel Spider-Man for PlayStation 4 has gone gold. Jamie, do you know what that means?
1: It means a lot.
0: Yes. It means that Insomniac Games has finally finished the main production of the game. The, the final copy of the game has now been sent off for production to turn it into the discs so they can make the the... The covers for it actually produce it, get it shipped, get it ready for September 7th uh, when it comes out. And this is a, it's a big deal for video games when a game goes gold. And that, that is like they've reached that moment. And it is, is a good thing. Groovy. Mondo has released two things this week for Marvel's The Punisher. One of them is a poster with art by Greg Ruth. And the other is the original score on record. It's on vinyl. Uh has the Greg Ruth art from the the poster, and it is so cool.
1: I saw it. It's beautiful, and I I love the idea of listening to TV scores. I love the music on Marvel's Netflix shows so much. The theme songs, the scores. When I write, see, something that I don't understand about the young people these days is when they're doing their writing, they're listening to music, and for me, that is too many words involved. I have one brain. It can only do so so much at one time so listening to a score while writing is something that i can really get behind so
0: the score for marvel's the punisher was done by tyler bates who's incredible he's done a ton of work on various marvel productions and, and more and, and it's really good so check that out uh you can go to mondo's website and, and find out more
1: oh so groovy
0: Uh, Also, Groovy are all our favorite books for this week, which included Daredevil, Domino, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, and Fantastic Four. You want to learn about why we're so hyped for those books, check out Marvel's The Pull List. Uh... You guys know it has a new feed. You can subscribe to it to get all our, our talk about that. There's a whole bunch of stuff happening with Marvel Games this week. There's just big celebrations for the Marvel Studios' 10th anniversary. A lot of that stuff is starting to roll out. You could check out all the details on Marvel.com and This Week in Marvel Games. Jamie, what else is on Marvel.com?
1: Well, because of the Fantastic Four comic coming out this week, we have a great interview with the writer Dan Slott, who was kind enough to take some time out of his vacation to answer some questions about this issue, this number one issue, and what's upcoming. And he does, I'm not going to say he reveals a lot, but he does give us a little bit of insight.
0: Yeah, uh, Dan, uh, as they say in the UK, is living la vida loca.
1: Oh, yeah, that's exactly what they say in the UK. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, I've, I've heard it with my own eyes. And uh, he is having a great time out there. It's really good. Now, for this episode, we grabbed Tom Brevort who is executive editor for Marvel Comics, and Alana Smith, assistant editor. They are working together. They are a tremendous tag team on Fantastic Four. Uh, We actually got to sit down with them for a while and and talked about the past, some of their favorite stuff, some of our favorite stuff when it comes to Fantastic Four, but also looking at the future and and what's coming up on the book. I'm super jazzed about this title. It's it's fun. I think Fantastic Four is not a book I grew up reading. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a couple of specific memories, which you'll hear, but... It's one of those books that is so important to me now, yeah, uh, and, and so important to who we are as Marvel that I'm so glad that it's in the hands of of you know people like Tom and Alana and Dan Slott and Sarah Paquelli and and everybody working on it. So really, really jazzed.
1: Very cool. Yeah, my action, my one of my earliest memories of Fantastic Four is actually from my family and my uncle who was born in the '60s would read it when he was a kid, and um, I remember him talking about Silver Surfer and he had a lot of really old figurines and he had the the old comics and it's one of the very first exposures to vintage Marvel that I remember. And one of the things where it was like, I need to get into this universe. How do I get into this universe? Oh, wait, there is decades of universe to get into.
0: Totally. All right. Let's dive into our talk with uh, Tom Brevoort and Alana Smith right now. Tom. Alana, Hello. thank
2: you for joining us <laughs> Welcome. On, Hello. Uh,
0: this momentous day. Uh, we're actually recording this on the release day for Fantastic Four. August 8th, Four. the
2: one. 57th anniversary of Fantastic Four number one. How? 57 years. <laughs> yes. At what
0: point did you know that we were going to land? Was this like a target date?
2: No, it, this was a fluke. We knew we were going to be in <laughs> August, and uh, originally we were going to go on August 1st, first week of the month. And then we looked at the calendar and went, well, a week after August 1st is August 8th. It happens to be a Wednesday, new comic book day. And so we figured, what the hell?
1: It was a fantastic <laughs> fluke.
2: Yes. Yes. Every 57 years. Nice. Yeah. Uh, that
3: sounds great. But
0: it's been a couple... It's been a little while since we've had a fantastic four Three. Uh, about series. three years. Three years. Yeah. And now we've got... a million variant covers that are adorning our table (laughs) for those who watch the video and some cool stuff. But I wanted to dig in a little bit first and see what everybody's histories and connections were to Fantastic Four. Like for myself, there's two things I very specifically remember and I think we've talked about this before, Tom. It was the new Fantastic Four, Walter Simonson and Art Adams, you have Giant Monsters, Mole Man, and you had a non Traditional Fantastic Four team with Ghost Rider, Wolverine, Spider Man, and Gray Hulk, yep. and that was like, what is this? And then there's also the Miracle on Yancey Street issue, which is, um, I think Tom DeFalco and Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan, and it's got it's a great Doom and Thing story set around the holidays. It's all weird, There's all kinds of stuff <laughs> happening in that issue. But right. that was like, right. I got Doom that in was, the Doom bit. was curing addicts. Yes, in, <laughs> on yeah Yancey Street. Yeah, uh, and then he was like. Psh! You got in my way. I'm done. I'm not going to help these people. It was <laughs> such a trippy issue. But I got those, I got that in like a grab bag when I was a kid. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was really my exposure to the Fantastic Four. I, I was not a regular reader as a kid. What about you guys, Tom? Where did you start with the Fantastic
2: Four? Well, I started, I mean, I've told this story a million times, but as a kid, as a young kid, I was not a Marvel fan. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you know and i i you know i'd read comics for a bunch of years but you know the couple of marvel comics i'd sampled over the years for one reason or another had not appealed to me and there're good reasons for each one and i'm not going to go through them all here but part of it was they were operating on a slightly more sophisticated level than i was <laughs> at that time <laughs> Um, you know, but there came a, a summer, summer of 1977. I'm gonna say it was, and I developed an interest in the characters. I I bought books on the history of comics, what few books that existed back then, and I hadn't read the chapters about the Marvel or Timely stuff because I didn't like that stuff. <laughs> so I would just skip those those chapters. And at some point in the summer, there was one day where things were just dull enough. <laughs> <laughs> that I went and you know read the the bits in the Stranco history of comics on Captain America and the Timely characters and the bits in in uh, Jules Pfeiffer's great comic book heroes with the, there was a Torch story and a Namor story and a Cap story and I read those and you know I thought they were okay and I liked the Human Torch and so near to me there was this drugstore it was a ch- you know, chain drugstore. I'm not sure if the chain is still around, so I've stopped mentioning the name of it in case it is, <laughs> because they had what in my memory was an enormous bin of comics. And in reality, it probably wasn't that huge, but from where I was sitting at 10 years old or whatever, like it was this huge bin, um, pretty much all Marvel. And, you know, at the time, I think the cover price on the books had just gone up to like 30 cents. They were selling them, you know, five for a buck. So it was a good deal. And they were all older issues. And what I worked out years after the fact was that these were clearly affidavit returns. These were books that were reported as being destroyed, but mm-hmm. that somebody had sold off the back <laughs> of the truck. <laughs> tisk tisk tisk, uh, You know, into this thing and double dipped So I went to this this drugstore, and I went through the bins, and I got three consecutive issues of Fantastic Four, 177, 178, 179. The first two were Roy and George Perez with the Frightful Four, and the third one was uh, kind of a group effort. Uh, I think Jerry Conway wrote most of it with a little of Roy. Roy Thomas, for those who aren't – Familiar with Roy on a name, a first name basis. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, mostly Ron Wilson drawing that third one. And so those were really the first Marvel comics I read for real and liked. Uh, and then from there, I eventually went out to the whole of the Marvel Universe. So Fantastic Four for me is very very primal in terms of my Marvel experience.
0: It's like they're the explorers and they helped you explore yes. the Marvel Universe. Yes. It's really, it's really nice.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, I'm. See, when you talk about the history and the exploration, um, I come to the Fantastic Four knowing that they've been around for nearly 60 years. Mm -hmm. I'm very new to them because I think when you look at 60 years of comics history, you're like, where do you even start? But one thing that I've always really, and and Alana, I know you're pretty new to Fantastic Four too. Yeah. What was this like for you, like facing this cornerstone of Marvel history? Yeah,
3: well, I think like when I got into comics, I went all in on like, X Men and Spider Man. Like, I didn't care about anybody else, yeah. much less the Fantastic Four, because I think you, there's like one of two kinds of people when you're younger, and it's like people who like something like Fantastic Four and people who are like, oh, they're Boy Scouts, like, or Captain America's a Boy Scout, like, you don't mm-hmm. like the Boy Scout. And I think as you get older, there's sometimes a switch that happens where you realize how hard it is to maintain like pure idealism as you age and you get more of an appreciation for the characters who've managed to do that. And like this family that loves each other very deeply. And, you know, it's not always dark, like it's not as tumultuous as some other comics. like. But I think that's part of what makes it so special is that it's a, you know, it's a family that genuinely cares about each other and is exploring the universe rather than dealing with the dark underbelly of society. And there's something yeah. cool and optimistic about that. That's something that I really do love
1: about the Fantastic Four is that while they are going through time and space, their missions are gigantic and vast Mm -hmm. and abstract sometimes. At their core, they're still kind of very domestic. There's something very small and intimate about them that I think makes them really, really special and that Mm -hmm. has maintained throughout all of these 60 years. Can you Mm -hmm. speak to that at all?
2: Um, Well, again, it's, it's one of these things where over time... I think the impression of the Fantastic Four has kind of drifted in the public consciousness because people tend to remember the big stories, the first Galactus story or Mm -hmm. the first Negative Zone story and things like that. But really, those were outliers in a period where most Fantastic Four stories were much more ground-based and much more of the here and now. You know, Fantastic Four was the first genuine Marvel comic, the first one to put the sort of ideas and philosophies that Stan and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko, but not so much on Fantastic Four, had about doing modern superheroes into practice and that was to make them more real people and more about the individuals and less about just the costumes and the powers. So Fantastic Four was always, particularly at the, the outset, a very grounded real world strip, particularly as compared to the other comics of that era. Um, yeah, you know, but but so often in the early issues of Fantastic Four, they would just be walking down the street in Manhattan and interacting with you know cabbies and news vendors and pedestrians, and the thing would rip the engine out of out of a car that honked <laughs> at him, uh, you know, crossing the street or whatever. And and you know they would be very. That's
1: uh, just New York. Yeah, that's just <laughs> not, that's just another Wednesday in New York.
2: They would be <laughs> very. They would be very neighborhood based. You know, they would take the subway. <laughs> I, I I think. When I think of the thing,
0: I think of him in a trench coat and the the hat and (laughs) stuff like that, too, as, like, someone who, it just feels very real. He's, like, you know, sort of very concerned about himself and bummed out. Like, Mm -hmm. he feels so human despite being eight and a half feet tall and four feet wide and able to move mountains. Um, Well,
2: again, that's, you know, the, the thing was really the first superhero character who got powers and the powers were a problem rather than a wonderful, beautiful, terrific thing. And now, like, everybody's powers, every character in comics, (laughs) including the ones that predate him, feel the weight of either the responsibility or the difficulty or or what have you of having these powers. But the thing, again, was really uh, at the forefront of that idea that you could get superpowers and they could be a detriment rather than uh, a Blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing was easy for the thing. Fitting through doorways <laughs> was a problem. Aww. Picking up or dialing the phone, particularly in the days when they had dial rotary phones and you mm-hmm. couldn't put your big square <laughs> fingers into them, <laughs> were a, was a problem. Everything was a problem for this guy, even beyond the fact that he looked like a bad stretch of, of road <laughs> uh, walking no. around. And that tragedy to the character is part of what made him and the series interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Off the top of your head, how many times did Ben try to get rid of his powers? Can you Pretty think? much
2: from the get-go, from the jump, you know, he didn't want to be the thing. and you know Reed had a, a constant sort of ongoing quest. I will cure you, I will I will fix this thing that I've done and that's spoiled your life. Mm-hmm. So you know that came up constantly, you know, in the first hundred issues. <laughs>
0: Um, so, in leading up to this, Evil Producer Brandon asked me for some <laughs> suggestions for stories, and I gave some of my favorites to to Jamie, who's, you know, newer to the Fantastic Four. Jamie, who did you, what did, what did you gravitate towards? Like, what were some of the fun ones that you, you dug into?
1: I read the Hickman run, mm-hmm. which I thought was tragic and interesting and really, I love when, like, the Fantastic Four goes a little dark, mm-hmm. and um, I kind of like it when characters die, because I'm always curious. I'm a, well, like, I'm a, yeah. I'm a death hag, as we've right, talked about right. many times on this show. And um, because also in comics, we're going to figure out a way for them to come back. And I think the way Johnny died and came back is disgusting and wonderful <laughs> and really intriguing. And I know he meets his maker a couple of times, at mm-hmm. least one more time. How many times has Johnny Storm died?
2: No, I think that Just really, the, that really is it.
1: The, tw- the two times, yeah, yeah, mm. is he gonna die again? Can you say? <laughs> Let's hope not. He's Do I need to prepare patch. myself?
0: Recently, he's had a rough patch. He's, you know, yeah, he's had yeah, a bummer out. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about you, Alana? Like getting into now doing Fantastic Four? Yeah. Rarely were there books that you know you read yeah. that you you looked at and were like, mm, I like this run, or is it you're just coming? Because I like your perspective as someone who yeah um, is more fresh.
3: Well, there's definitely like stuff throughout a bunch of runs that I've read, you know, issues of here and there that brought me around a bit, but not a 100%. And I think, like, I have a bit of a weird experience working on them because one of the first things I worked on was Secret Wars, where we, you know, destroyed the family. But I think working on that as one of my first things here, I started to get it. You know, the the final clash between, like, Reed and Doom and, and understanding like why Reed will always beat Doom and it's, you know, his heart and his compassion and his desire to help others and, you know, I started to be like, all right, all right, okay, maybe maybe I dismissed these guys too quickly when I was younger and then working on stuff with Johnny and Ben after that and then leading into Marvel Two and One and just during that time hearing from fans who just this family being together means so much to them that I have been going back in and, and reading other things and trying to be like, okay, like there's clearly something here, and i'm I'm starting to respond to it and understand it. so so yeah, there's there's a bunch of stuff like that 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 is is definitely endearing them to me much more than I would have expected before I started working on them. Yeah,
1: yeah, I was really surprised when I was reading the Council of Reeds that Reed decided to like leave and go with the Council <laughs> of Reeds. as fascinating as I'm sure it is to hang out with different versions of yourself. <laughs> um, that surprised me because of the whole family thing, just that reading that decision. Tom, what's your perspective on that? Do you remember
2: um you know by the end of those th- three issues, you know ultimately he chooses the family over over the council, so you know that's the story the, that 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 decision making process that choice that balance between solving everything uh you know and, yeah. and and the sort of theory of these larger ideals and the practice of these larger ideals, which is that they're not really worth very much without those emotional and human connections to the people around you. Mm-hmm.
1: It makes me wonder about the other reeds. Are they not connected to their families? Do they not have the families? No, I'm, I'm yeah, going to go down a big uh, rabbit an hole. infinite
0: multiverse <laughs> of possibilities. And you have reeds who have had these decisions. Like I love yeah. that the possibilities there of like mm-hmm. someone who's just shifted a little bit, and then you know you you have the full spectrum of possibility in someone who's with a mind like Reed and the capabilities. Mm-hmm. I love that story. <laughs> uh, it's one of my favorites. But Tom, I'm curious. We talked about your your origins with the FF. What about some of your favorite stories?
2: Um, well, again, for me, it always goes back to the first 102 issues, the Stanley Jack Kirby material. I can go back to those again and again. Yeah. Uh, you know, when Alana started, I put on her desk, uh, I think it was an essential volume. I
3: think uh, three, <laughs> three of them. Of the phone book, size. Right. right? I said yeah. this Black is the, and white. Yep. I said
2: here it is. This is this is this is the Bible. This is the Bible, and I don't think she ever read it. I don't <laughs> I think she ever read it any for of sure. it. Not a page. I got a color version and uh, I started reading that. The <laughs> masterworks,
0: which you can pick up yeah. at your local comic shop. <laughs>
2: yes. um, you know, so so there's you know there's certainly that. You know, I like uh, uh, any number of the latter day runs. You know, or to me, latter day. Certainly, when I came in, yeah, you know, that period in the '70s where it was Roy and George Perez, and then after that, you know, Len Wein, and then after that, Marv Wolfman. You know, everybody uh, speaks about the John Byrne run on Fantastic Four, sort of like the big second seminal Fantastic Four run. It was the one time in the book's history I stopped reading it. it was in the middle of that run. Um, mm. But that doesn't change the the you know the impact that it had and the importance uh, of it. I really liked uh, Walt Simonson's run that, that, that the uh, the new Fantastic Four story is a part of uh, at the beginning of the '90s, and then after that it get, comes down to comics I edited, and those don't really count. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was your first uh, Fantastic Four comic you worked on?
2: My first issue was forty-seven, volume three, forty-seven, mm. which really was me. Uh, uh, finishing up the previous editor's work, Bobby Chase's work. So I don't know that you could really consider it a book I edited until 50 or 51. And really it's it's 60. Really it's the 9 cent issue.
0: Yeah. Which we'll we'll get to that in a second. So some of my favorites I talked about, the the ones that got me into it. Jonathan Hickman's run, which is why mm-hmm. I suggested it to you. The Council of Reeds, Johnny's Death. Future Foundation I think is such a cool concept. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. And Secret Wars just a blast it's like that's my wheelhouse like alternate (laughs) stuff and weird and death and explosions and all kinds of neat stuff uh mark wade mike Mm -hmm. Waringo, especially unthinkable and then 511 for me right like i can give those to someone and be like this is why i love the fantastic four outside of the original hundred the uh,
2: the omnibus is coming Ooh. I've seen. I've seen the omnibus. The omnibus is coming right, before nice. the end of the year. Whole thing in one big fat book.
1: Sounds like a huge bus. <laughs> yes.
0: Oh boy. Um, uh, yes. So the, the that run started with a nine cent issue. Why did we do a nine? What was it? Just like a, a sales gimmick of of the time. <laughs> right
2: before that, DC did. They were do, going into a, a big Batman story, and so they did a ten cent Batman comic. <coughs> Batman the ten cent adventure. Right. And so the publisher at the time, Bill Jemis and, and Joe early on, is kind of a, a thumb in their eye like, well we'll do we're gonna do a nine the nine cent issue. <laughs> <laughs> even even cheaper, even more affordable.
0: Um, so good. 5.11, for anybody who's listening who's not read that run, I would suggest that whole run, you can wait for The Omnibus, read it right. all on Marvel Unlimited. But 5.11, I reread again recently because I just wanted to remember that issue. Yep. And with the FF going to heaven, meeting this aspect of God that they perceive, and then it being very Kirby-inspired, is it, it, it was uh, awesome. What was that like for you? Was the script like, the story like? Was there any hesitation? Because I think it's... It's a really neat story, but I think you know probably has people on both sides of it.
2: um well, I think there's certainly people on both sides, but but certainly the intention was was pure uh, and was good in in doing it. That was something that Mark came up with as we talked about the story. We'd we'd gotten into the story. We knew we were going to end the previous story with Ben being killed. And then, oh, they've got to go and and revive him, resurrect him. And Mark had come up with the idea of using the doom chair, the, the device that he had used in his origin to try to go to the afterlife and... Save his mother's soul, but instead blew up and destroyed his face as the thing they used to get into the afterlife. And that was like a cool touch point. And, you know, we didn't really have everything worked out. And at some point he called me up and he had this idea that he laid out to, to me. And I dug it and, and we did it. So people liked it and people responded to it. So uh, I love that's it. It's nice.
0: I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to say I love it. Um, and then I was thinking about the, the, the original run. I think I would go to bat for. Like, 44 through 53 is, if I had to pick a pocket, you know, you get the Inhumans, and you get Silver Surfer, and Galactus, right. and Watcher, and Black Panther, and Claw. Like, that, to me, is so good. It's just, You're
2: right, but you have to go further. You have to go from 44 to 60.
0: Ah. What's in those next couple of years?
2: 60. Is? 57 through 60 is the Doom Steals the Surfer's Power mm. four-parter. Mm. And right. that's really... The payoff to that whole that whole era that whole run. Well,
0: there you go. Okay. I just got Brevoided.
2: Yeah, <laughs> feels good. Did, did
1: Doom just want to go surfing? Um, he, he did. Just, did he just like want to go laid back and <laughs> chill for a while? He totally surfed, surfed through. throughout that whole story. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm just so tired of being bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just want to lay back, listen to some Needed Beach to Boys, up a little bit. yeah, and surf <laughs> through space. That's Doom. That's, that's always looking that. to loosen up. <laughs> so. But going back to the original run, um, Sue Storm has come a very long way Mm -hmm. in 60 years. She's evolved a lot. She's gone from the invisible girl to the invisible woman, which is important to me. I would like to hear from both of you Mm -hmm. about how she's evolved and how she's changed because one of the things that kind of bugged me, I love the the original issues, but it kind of bugged me that all she did was sort of tag along. (laughs) Like, my husband's going, (laughs) I have to go too. (laughs) Like, my fiance's going, well so should I like (laughs) she's very much her own woman now Mm -hmm. I want to talk about her journey like just talk about it And where is she gonna go if you can tell us
3: uh well I think definitely some of those old issues are a little a little rough there's a lot of her, you know being the the woman her smart boyfriend can't understand because women are so (laughs) mysterious oh there (laughs) were so many times where I was just like who knows what they want and and you know like Jan fell into this a few times too in early issues where they're yeah. just they're nagging or they're like why doesn't this smart guy appreciate that I'm such a hot girl and I'm into him and it was just kind of like. All right, well, that like, was
2: all the that was all the Marvel women of that yeah. of that era. Yeah. You know that, yeah. that you can you can it doesn't matter even which one you know whether they're superheroes or not. Like all the Marvel ladies mm-hmm. of that period all kind of fit that mold. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was very much of its of its time and of its totally. Era.
3: Mm-hmm. And yeah, and
1: I love reading them, but then I'm like. <laughs>
3: Sue, please yeah. do better. Uh, but but she did. She uh, did. And and you know she's she's kind of evolved to be this this really strong independent woman who doesn't always agree with Reed and, right. and who breaks with him pretty notably on a bunch of things and is not afraid to tell him and take a stand when she believes in something. Without that really changing the fact that they love each other very yeah. deeply, which I think is. Really, the hallmark of a healthy relationship when you can right. disagree strongly, but it doesn't make you lose respect for each other, and in fact, sometimes makes you have more respect for each other. And now, I think moving forward, it's it's the same sort of thing. Like you know, her and Reed are still together. Their relationship is still very strong. They get frustrated with each other on occasion because they're very different people. Yeah, but you know, Reed always comes through in the end, and I think that's. That's what is important. Yeah, that's what I've always loved about the Fantastic
1: Four as a family is that they bicker. Yeah. They're, they're just <laughs> like us. Like they're, they're doing these super, super uh. duper powered things, but they bicker. They're just people who yeah. still yeah. can't stand each other but can't stand to be apart from each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like I love seeing Sue and Reed bicker but love each other and disagree but love each other Mm -hmm. it kind of gives me faith that they that might exist in real life (laughs) (laughs) i like that right now they're teamed together Mm -hmm. and they're trying to get back and now they've got the kids and and it feels like home that's the what's the fantastic fours has always struck me as it's home Mm -hmm. and it's gonna stay that way no matter how far they
3: travel no, we're breaking them up again tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Figures. Oh,
0: figures. So we're 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 talking about the new series now. The, you know, number one just came out this week.
2: Uh, or or six forty six for the purists. Yes, in the, 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 the the legacy numbering. there.
1: Lots of New York area code centered issues <laughs> ah. are very three forty seven six forty six. <laughs> now I want to know what two one two is about.
2: Two one two. Uh, was a, a a story in which the Sphinx had gained cosmic power uh, and came back uh, to destroy the Earth and read how to make a deal with Galactus to get him to intercede on the Earth's behalf and take on the Sphinx um, by then saying, well, I'll release you from your vow not to consume the Earth yourself. So the two-on-two, two, it's a Walt Simonson cover, orange cover, <laughs> Uh, with the two of them fighting. At the same time, in the middle of that story, there was this larger arc where the the most of the FF, apart from the torch, had been exposed to a Skrull aging ray, so they were getting older, and so they were having to deal with all this stuff as they were decaying and becoming withered oh, no. and decrepit and dying. So that would that would be now you uh, know. 212. <laughs> now I Boom. know. Boom. How about Pub- that? Published around <laughs> 1979.
0: <laughs> Trippy. Uh, all right. From seventy nine to twenty eighteen and <laughs> to six forty six. Uh- the First thing I want to go to is the last page of the issue because I dug it so much. We've got the Impossible Man, we've got Willie Lumpkin, <laughs> uh, which made me so happy. One of the people here was like, "Hey, is this Impossible Man?" And they had a very different character. I was like, "No, Impossible Man is this character." Right. But like, okay, so is <laughs> Willie Lumpkin the old man? I was like, "No, Willie." They're in the same yes. story. Yes. are right here, <laughs> uh, whose idea was was that that page?
2: Oh, that was all Dan. Yeah. yeah. yeah that was yeah, all yeah. Dan. And and in fact, I think he kind of talked me into it a little. Bit. Because uh, it was the first page he wrote as well. Yes, Which <laughs> is true. Which is like you know, I want the I want the other stuff first. You know, do that. I understand it's easy. It's one page. Scotty doesn't but,
3: need several months to Yeah, Scotty page. doesn't need that long to, to
2: do this one page. It's it's fine. But it's you know, again, it's it's fun. It's a little uh, a little after dinner mint.
0: Yes, <laughs> a wonderful after dinner mint. Um, and I think it. it it was helpful because we have a Fantastic Four number one, and the team doesn't all come together right in that Fantastic That's Four right. number one. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, having <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you should have read it by now, y'all. Uh, <laughs> it's out. It is it's out. out. It, it is, is out. Cats out of
1: the bag. Uh,
0: but was it Dan's decision, your call? Like, how did you all come up with, like, hey, we're not going to bring them all together? Because it felt to me like there's a more emotional swell at the end of the issue because yeah. they're yeah. not together
2: well that's the that's the whole intent like you you, you you've been waiting for this for three years mm-hmm. and you don't want to rush to that particularly you don't want to do a disservice to the characters and where they are and what they've been through and what they're going through and what this means by just cutting to the chase you know we're publishing a fantastic four comic it's pretty much a given that we're going to get the Fantastic Four back together, but there's not a need to to rush and do it in the span of 20 pages or 30 pages or whatever, but to let it take its natural course and to breathe and to have the space it needs to really be an emotional journey and for you to understand, for a reader that's coming to this without 645 other comics before it, to understand who these characters are, how they relate to one another, why their absence is so traumatic to people, not even just the family, but people Around the city and the world, and and uh, you know what it what it means for the to see the Big Four light up the sky at the end of the issue. You, you said
0: something about what they mean to the people in the story. You see a lot of that when you know at the baseball stadium, yeah. uh, you know just in around the city when torches flying through. I love that. But what does the Fantastic Four mean to Marvel? What is what do they mean to comics in your guys' eyes? Well, well, uh, you
2: yeah. Oh, thank you. You're
3: that's
0: awesome. very nice of you.
3: <laughs> very polite.
0: You, you are. guys are always it's so. True. Every time I walk into your office, you're always so like
3: just hey, okay. so polite, that's so sweet. The stress is all very internal.
2: Got it. Nick Lowe is always like get out. Yes.
3: We're just like quietly panicking. Just very quiet. So. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um the, the Fantastic Four is the bedrock. It's the cornerstone. It's where all of this stuff started, you know. If you love X-Men, if you love Spider-Man, if you love the Avengers, if you love the Guardians of the Galaxy, if you none of that is possible. None of that exists without Fantastic Four, the characters and the series. Literally everything comes from that title. And for the first 10 years of the book, it was it was the forefront of, of Marvel. It was the biggest thing. All the biggest stuff came from and came out of that. You, know, you did the list earlier, the Inhumans and the Black Panther and Galactus and the Silver Surfer and uh, dozens of villains that continue to show up across all sorts of titles. Uh, you know, they, they made the boast, the slogan to the cover, that it was the world's greatest comic magazine. But really, particularly in the 1960s, that was just... True reporting. That was that was fact. There's <laughs> nothing else in that era that can touch it.
3: And it's really like in the DNA of how we tell stories too, like it, it's very much it's about the character in the costume, not the costume. And, you know, the Fantastic Four come out there, their identities are public. They're very much they're the people. They're not the human torch and invisible woman as much as they are like Susan and Johnny and, yeah. and right. that's so integral to all of the other stories we tell. And and what you said about Ben being one of the first characters whose powers were inconvenient—that's everybody now, yeah. and and that's such a fun, interesting story thing to dig into in so many different places, and all of that came from this. Yeah, so. people
2: people keep doing uh, because it's very you know it seems very very timely. People keep doing different riffs and different versions of the superhero as celebrity. Mm. And that's really Fantastic Four, too. Mm -hmm. Like, Fantastic Four really started that in 1961 because they didn't have secret identities. And hell, at the beginning, they didn't have costumes even. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's it's still a very relevant idea 57 years later.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. So, throughout all this history of the Fantastic Four, Tom, I want to ask you, what's the weirdest thing that's come out of the Fantastic Four?
2: The weirdest thing? Yes. Mm
1: -hmm. I... Love finding these little weird tidbits in Marvel Comics, and I want to know what's in the Fantastic wow. Four.
2: Wow. I tell you, the first thing that comes to mind, it's maybe not the weirdest, um, but it was certainly the most off-putting. Uh, there was a period in the 90s.
1: Oh, uh, oh the 90s being the 90s. Just. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> where, where, you know, as, as, as part of an attempt to make the Fantastic Four more of its era, Sue started wearing this weird... <laughs> Two-piece bathing suit costume where Don't the like four it. was a cutout and it's weird. Um, and for a while they even they had jackets that went on over the costumes and they, they ran around with big cable guns and uh, it's a really <laughs> weird. Yeah, the, Ben had a, a mask because I think he yeah. got slashed by Wolverine, yeah, right? Yeah, Ben got Ben got slashed by Wolverine and and was then thus ugly and had to wear a mask, <laughs> which is kind of missing the point of the thing in the first place.
1: <laughs> Am I'm I? just trying to like There's, digest this. Yeah. There's also right.
0: malice, which like yep. is is sort of to me the same thing. But she had right. a beautiful mullet, yeah. which <laughs> yes. I loved. Yeah.
1: Well, everyone had a beautiful mullet <laughs> in the '90s. <laughs>
0: um, okay, so with the the new series, are there any books that we can suggest to listeners to check out? Obviously, the original run, but I think Marvel Two and One is a oh, great one Marvel right
2: now. 1. Yes. yes, Marvel Two and One really does set the stage. Uh, you know, all the stuff the chip. And, uh, you know, first Jimmy Chung And mm-hmm. uh, uh, then uh, uh, Currently Ramon Perez mm-hmm. And Valerio uh, have, have been doing, you know, have really been you know Setting the stage for the Fantastic Four To come back, and that book is going to continue To be relevant in the story of the FF As we move ahead
3: Yeah, and I think the two-in-one annual as well which, which, you know, deals a bit in The aftermath of Secret Wars Kind of tying together why Ben and Johnny came back and the others didn't And, like I was happy that yep. we were able to get to that before mm-hmm. the FF came back, <laughs> and and I think uh, Chip did it really well, so worth picking up definitely. Nice. So there's
2: you... also uh, uh, a trade paperback of uh, Dan's thing, short thing run, mm-hmm. and, and also includes his uh, Spider-Man Human Torch limited series. So it's pretty much all of the major fantastic four stories that dan had written pre prior to ff1
0: did we include the first piece of fantastic four copy he ever wrote which was that cover blurb no we We should have included that cover in there (laughs) with a little Uh, note love it and of
3: course to secret wars proper like i don't mm -hmm. think you need to read it to get what's going on like there's enough background given um
2: but it would help (laughs) and and, and if you if you try to read it yes uh, you'll probably be more confused. True, it's true, it's true. <laughs> great. But so good, though. I guess I was so engulfed in everything. Well, so. no, it's, yeah. I, I'm I'm not at all saying it's not good, but I am saying it's it's, it's a, a lot. It's a full meal. Yes,
1: yes. Uh, <laughs> okay, I have a, another fluffy fun question. Um, we've seen a lot of replacement members. We've right. also seen Johnny and Ben hanging out with Lunella and Devil Dinosaur. Right. Mm-hmm. What are your dream replacement members for the Fantastic Four?
3: Ooh.
2: See, I don't really I've never ha- thought about I don't that. really have Dream Replacement members because I don't feel like the Fantastic Four aren't a team. They're a family. They are yeah. a family, ultimately. And while you could maybe adopt other people into your family, it's not like you can replace them. At least, not my. I don't know, your family might be different. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I don't know your upbringing, nah, where you came from, what it was okay. like. Yeah, so I don't really sit around too deeply thinking about, well, who could you bring in? You know, the Avengers changed the roster. Uh, the X-Men are constantly finding new mutants. The The champions are dealing with young characters who are becoming empowered for the first time. But the Fantastic Four are solid state because it's all about the relationships of those characters mm-hmm. and the extended family. I mean, we'll see in the new series uh, Franklin and Valeria becoming much more a part of the ongoing operation of the Fantastic Four. They'll both have have code names. They'll both uh, be a little more central to the overall narrative. And so, really, the Fantastic Four have six members at this point, Mm -hmm. but we're not going to change the name because they monogrammed a lot of stuff (laughs) with Fours. It's a lot of money. And it would be way too expensive to get it all redone. Mm Because,
1: like any family, they have a budget that they have to deal (laughs) with, a checkbook to balance whatever version of that exists
0: today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do, does Four Freedoms Plaza still exist? That's the building with the four. The That's the four. Yeah, it on doesn't. The top, right?
2: I'm sorry, it doesn't. Yeah. We Don't blew it, do it up in Thunderbolts. That years fine. ago. Yeah, well, okay. it had to go.
0: Um, so you guys, you you mentioned the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything mm-hmm. else we can tease about uh, upcoming stuff? In this run of Fantastic Four, any villain stuff, or Secrets. maybe the uh, the other folks that the kids were hanging out with a lot mm-hmm. before uh, these stories.
2: Well, uh, I think we can we can uh, say I think we've even yeah, we've hinted at it, if not outright said it mm-hmm. elsewhere. But you know, there's a there's a proposal in fantastic Four one and there'll be a wedding in fantastic Four five which is also 650 and it's actually a wedding and this is perhaps a first for comics where the actual <laughs> wedding will take place i don't believe it
0: <laughs> i don't believe that it. that is a, a tom brevor guarantee
2: yeah in 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 2018 the only wedding in, in in comics that's going to go down just the way it's advertised
3: i think the the ff are kind of an unusual position for us to be in because in a lot of our books it's it's hard to really let characters grow and evolve and get married and have kids and, and because, you know, comics have to be around for so long. The more baggage you create, the more baggage you have to deal with. But it's so built into the premise of FF that they, that they you know, grow and evolve and have kids and get married that, like, yeah. you can do so much more with them than you can with almost any other character you're dealing with. Right. So we are definitely taking full advantage of that here.
2: Right, and then uh, uh, you know, uh, beyond that, as hinted in issue one, big Doom stuff in the middle of the of the year, or the first year, mm-hmm. and then uh, a, a big thing Hulk fight uh, at the end of the first year. Classic. Big thing Hulk fight. Mm-hmm. Big good one. We yeah. have good. We got a good. We got a couple of good wrinkles. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I, I remember being in the editorial retreat uh, and watching Dan Slot break down the story for the room. And then you sitting next to him, Tom, just happy. <laughs> like, I've, I've never seen you smile unbroken for like half an hour as you did as Dan was talking about the story. And it, like that it gave me so much happiness and hope for what the story is because I know you are such a, a big Fantastic Four fan but a hard critic of what makes good Fantastic Four. And just watching your joy over this being laid out for a room of other hard critics right. was like,
2: it's good. Well, I mean the, the reality of it is is that Dan is also a big hardcore Fantastic 4 fan and you know very much like you know he's he's always wanted to write Spider-Man and and did he's always wanted to do Fantastic 4 like that's the other kind of holy grail assignment for him. So for the most part I don't have to worry too much about it 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 you know not being right. <laughs> Uh, I just have to worry about it not being done.
1: (laughs) So you're describing an all-out brawl. I feel like I wish I could watch this thing and Hulk duke it out on the golf course. Just playing (laughs) golf. A nice, quiet round of golf.
3: Just quietly conversing. Bruce is in the mood for that these days. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, As the Hulk,
1: I want to see those two gigantic (laughs) creatures just... 18 With holes. a tiny, tiny putter. Like, not a, putter, not, a, not a golf club that is made for their size. A tiny one that they'd otherwise crush, but maybe it's made of vibranium so
2: it doesn't get crushed. The Hulk, the Hulk just uses, in. like, lampposts. Yeah. I like that
0: visual. That's a great way to end this one. Uh, thank you, Tom and Alana. Uh, I'm excited. Fantastic Four, number one, available right now. Okay, so that was a fantastic chat.
1: Oh, it sure was pretty fantastic.
0: And now it's time for us to talk about some community stuff. We got a note in here into our email, which is twimpodcast at marvel.com. This one comes from our friend Jason in Hawaii. He says, Hey, aloha from Hawaii. May I ask if you guys can give a shout out to my good friend Julius, owner of Westside Comics and Games on Oahu? He is celebrating his store's fifth anniversary on Sunday, August 5th. Sorry we missed it, but just, you know right around this time we're good uh and he has a fun fact about julius that julius has a complete avengers run from number one to present day that is so cool that
1: is admirable
0: yeah I want a full run of. I don't have room for that. I don't know
1: what. That's I'm a lot about. of Avengers. It's a yeah. lot of Avengers books.
0: So much. Uh, thanks for the letter, as always, Jason. You're the best. Uh, a couple of tweets in here from Simon Williams saying his favorite memory of Fantastic Four is the '90s cartoon. Well, not as successful as the X-Men and Spider-Man cartoons out around the same time. It was a good show, and it also helped teach me about the larger Marvel universe by showing characters like Thor, Daredevil, Black Panther, and the Inhumans. I love that because that mm. that really is what the Fantastic Four is. They're a gateway as we've heard from Tom and from Alana, a gateway to everything in the Marvel Universe.
1: Yeah. That's one of the things that surprised me about reading the early stuff too is because is how many of the Marvel characters made appearances in Fantastic Four. It's like inviting all these heroes over to your own house. Yeah. They just showed up. Yeah. For snacks.
0: Uh, Simon's last is, uh his tip of the week for August 1st was X-Men Gold number 33. Nice to see a storyline focusing on Storm. I agree. Yeah. I I wish Storm had her own book and it like stayed around forever. She's had a couple solo titles here and there, but she's the best.
1: Well, you've just put it out in the universe, so maybe it'll happen. That's right. Raf Ab says that finale of Marvel's Cloak and Dagger was great. The soundtrack of the whole season was amazing. Heck agree. Yeah. Soundtracks are awesome. Marvel's Cloak and Dagger had a great one. Good oh. sounding and good
0: looking. We do pretty good music for our shows. Uh,
1: I agree. Great.
0: Barry Cryer on uh, Marvel's Agents of Shield. Heather Bates. I mean, like it's good stuff. Marvel's Luke Cage, dude. Oh soundtrack. my gosh! Yes. Soundtrack
1: for the ages. Yes. Dang it. Yeah. Marvel does soundtracks. And Jeremy Stark says he met Donny Cates last night at Nuclear Comics. He's the kind of guy you just want to hang out with. And he says thank you for signing his books.
0: Hashtag we are Venom. I like that you also hashtag Donny Cates and tagged Donny in this, Jeremy. That gets you one million twin points. I'm <laughs> going to start throwing out twin points again. Y'all, you can cash your twin points in with me for nothing <laughs> or for something. You Ooh. never know. You got Twin Points. Come at me on Twitter. Uh, use that hashtag, This Week in Marvel. Let's tweet it up a bit. That's what the kids are saying, right?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. On, the, on the Twitter.com?
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, next episode, we're going to be back next week. Daniel Kibblesmith is coming in. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to get us some wrestlers in time for SummerSlam. I'm so excited. Fingers <laughs> crossed. We shall see. Uh, but stay tuned for next episode. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jamie. This is Marvel.
1: Your universe.